0: Are you ready to reach the mountaintop of your life? Do you want to turn your dreams into your reality? If that sounds like you, then welcome to The Mountaintop Motivation Podcast. What's going on, Jarrett Ingram? How are you today? Yo! What's up, Jake? Thanks for having me <laughs> on, man.
1: I hope you don't mind my standard issue here with my Diet Dr. Pepper. It yeah, kind of comes me everywhere.
0: You got to rock it, dude. You got to rock it. Be you, be real. <laughs> Live your truth, man. Live your truth. Let's um, go. Really, really what we're doing here is, I, I think that there's this, there's this number. There's these two numbers that people are... Really obsessed with business people are obsessed with uh, the hundred thousand dollar number and the million dollar number. Not that many people are obsessed with the billion dollar number because that's a that's a whole different game that we're talking about, unless it's not, and that's just my mindset. But still, that is what it is. But we're looking at the hundred thousand dollar level and the million dollar level. And what's interesting is I I think that people think about like I made a hundred thousand dollars and then a million is like the next. It's, it's just the next step. But like, I mean, that's 10 times what you did that. That's saying that $10,000, your next step is $100,000. You know, so I mean, it's a, it's a huge shift and huge change. But I wanted to bring you on to talk about this about that scale from six to seven figures, since I know that you've done that in your business and done that in your business past and, and built that up. So I wanted to talk about that. First question is, what is a million dollars? And what are misunderstandings that people have about a million dollars in business?
1: Dude, that's a that's a super good question. Man, a really good question. It just made me think of a, a bunch of different things. One of my favorite things that is out, it has a lot of different names, but one of the names that it has is, people call it the million dollar matrix. Have you ever seen that? It's like a graph mm. of how you, it's kind of a graph of how you get a something or a product to turn into a million dollars worth of sales. Mm. Um, and it's just kind of this, this relative matrix that shows, well, you could sell one thing to one person that costs a million dollars. Okay. Yes. I think you've seen that. Right. Yeah. And, um, super interesting. And then when you look at, at the, like just the, the statistics of how many businesses are able to cross the million dollar mark, it's relatively few. Um, when you first start a business, the, the hundred thousand dollar mark, that, that six figure mark, uh, I don't know for you or for, you know. Whoever might watch this in the future, but um, as a kid, I always remember hearing like if somebody made made right six figures that they just their life was set right yeah, and totally. and what and what was kind of implied by that was like a hundred thousand dollars. they weren't talking about nine hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars. It was no. like if you could get to six figures, you'll be fine, and so for me, kind of that frame that initial frame as a kid was almost like this maybe it was reachable, but maybe it was just kind of like, like, that's going to be a hard goal. And that's what you should be getting after. And if you could get close to that, you'll still be okay. But if you could hit that number, man, your life would be set. And so sometimes I think we, we frame out to our kids or to this generation, just kind of how unrealistic dollars are. But when you jump into business, what I found is that if you solve a problem that enough people care about and you can get it in front of their eyes. The road to a hundred thousand dollar business is actually not that not that hard. In fact, I think that it's harder to stay at a hundred thousand dollars than it is to get to a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Because if you if you get to a hundred thousand dollars in most service or product-based businesses, you can hardly sustain your own lifestyle at a hundred thousand dollars. If you have a hundred thousand yeah. in sales, you're you're making Less than probably forty or fifty thousand a year, and uh, well, and also a hundred thousand
0: dollar business. That's not a business; that's a job, and it's a job that you're doing everything. Totally, 100%. and so you look at that and you go, okay. So a hundred thousand business, hundred thousand dollar business, is it sustainable? In fact, we had that conversation talking about where there's that that gap where someone's got to make a decision of are they going to go further into that higher range, whether and and whether it's seven figures or whether it's 900 or, or whatever it is, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. But the point is, is there is this little bit of space where if you start hiring the people to do the work for you, now all of a sudden your income is going down because you're you're in this space where you really can't hire. If, you, if you're making $100,000 in your business, you really can't hire a team of people that are actually adequate. Sure, you can hire people in foreign countries and, and VAs and stuff like that. But to, to be able to really build a business that isn't just a golden handcuffs, you need to go to a higher level. And so I think that entrepreneurs have to make the decision. Am I compl- not complacent? I don't want to say that because I don't want to put judgment on it. Am yeah. I content with having a high paid job? Or do I actually want to create a business? Because you've got to make that decision. But being in the middle, I think is a lot more painful. Being in the middle it's, is not a good place to be. For
1: sure. In fact, so you know, we've had a relationship for a long time, and uh, me and you, and and um, you know, one of the things I probably have mentioned this before as I've as I've been in the space of business consulting now and corporate training to help other people, is one of the things that I hear a ton, and I've said that, I said this myself too, when people would say, How's business? How are things going? Um, kind of a common phrase is like, Oh. I'm right at the point where it's more work than I can really handle. Like it's driving me crazy, but it's not quite enough work for me to hire somebody else. Mm. And it's a, it's kind of a lie that we tell ourselves. And every time we say that we reinforce the lie. It's interesting. Um, And so in scaling businesses and in helping other people scale, um, one of the things that really comes to mind is just the idea of risk, right? The idea of risk level, um, the best business owners that I have found who have been able to go from six to seven figures, they understand that if they are the owner of the business or a majority partner or, or whatever, maybe it's a group of partnerships, it doesn't matter. But the owners or owner of said business, said brand, the level of risk has to be owned by them, right? We can't put the risk level on employees. They've, they've decided to eliminate risk and work for you. But if you're going to see all of the upside in having your business scale up, which is what you're going to see if your business scales up, you get all that upside, all the profitability, all the sales go to you, um, then the risk level has to be absorbed by you. And so yeah. when you're at that point, the, one of the mistakes that, that business owners can make is, is when they say, oh, but I, it's not quite enough work to hire somebody else. And I, would, I challenge that immediately. Mm. And I'm like, no, that's the exact time. When you have to hire somebody else, because usually it is the owner of the business or the founder of the business or the ownership of the business. They have just the excitement, the vision, the just all of it, right? All the, all the, the juju, all the magic of the business of the brand to be able to actually push sales. You can hire somebody to do fulfillment for you. You can hire somebody to, to do all of the back end things that are taking your time. And what I have found is, is like the founders of, of whatever the brand is, they have this magic that, that works better than, than even when they bring in a salesperson, most business owners are able to kind of convey the magic of their brand the best. And so at that point, when they should hire somebody, that's, that's exactly what they should do is bring somebody else in to do fulfillment. And, and guess what? They're, they're right. In some sense, if they do no scaling at all, their profitability will go down. But the point of hiring somebody isn't to stay the same. The point of hiring somebody is to release that kind of weight or time that that's on their shoulders. So then they can do more magic and increase the sales, increase the, the business itself. And when they do that, then they, they get into the right pattern of, um, you know, it's kind of like the, you love baseball. I love baseball. Remember
0: the phrase, if you build it, baseball's back, baseball's back. back, by the way. Yes. yes. Yeah, so people will be watching Dodger this later, this but, but this is just a couple days after all that mess. Ended. Games. Yes. Um, and so I really strongly
1: believe that uh, a lot of people think that it's like, I'll scale I'll scale internally when I have the sales to support that. And yeah. I actually believe that it's the opposite. I believe you'll have a much easier time scaling the sales, scaling the need when you have already scaled the infrastructure.
0: Yeah, Real quick, I, I talked over your baseball analogy. I didn't hear what it was. I just got so excited no, like, about baseball. Like Field
1: of Dreams, right? If you build it, they will come. Yeah. So just that simple idea. So that's the idea. That simple like you build
0: idea. That infrastructure. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what I was saying about making a decision. Like You, you got to make a decision to go or make a decision to stay back. But this middle ground, this no man's land, you're in a place where you're working way too hard and you're not getting enough reward you're not getting enough rewards. So you got to make that decision. Do I want to scale? And what you're saying is you don't have to have the sales first. You got to make the scaling moves. So what do you think it is from your, from, from your standpoint as a, as a consultant, what do you think it is that prevents those entrepreneurs from, from doing the things necessary to scale from the six to the seven figures?
1: Yeah, it, um, another good question, man. Thanks for asking that. It's, uh, I, I think there's a handful of things and I've experienced all of these things. The first thing is that most entrepreneurs have experienced some level of, of, of fear, right? Like, um, when, you know, w- one of my other favorite things to say is your, your best accountability partner when you're a business owner or an entrepreneur is your bank account. Your bank account is going to let you know if you're doing your business well or if you're doing it poorly, if you're if you're actually being productive or if you're just being busy. Right. And you can lie about lots of stuff, but you can't lie about the, the number that's sitting in your checking account. Um, and so with that kind of helps paint this picture that entrepreneurs experience kind of a level of fear um, where because they've created usually this thing from basically nothing right? We, I mean, we can get as deep as we want in terms of thoughts, but like thoughts are things. So like before a thing, before a brand, before a product or a service or a, a whatever it is was created, it was a thought. It was literally created from nothing. And even if it's a copycat business, your particular version of it was created from zero. And so I think that sometimes there's an inherent fear that because it came from zero, that it could quickly go back to zero. And entrepreneurs are always working 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 trying to make this happen and so fear tends to drive some of the decisions and mm-hmm. and and when fear drives decisions sometimes you cut corners cuz you try to you try to increase profitability right now today right yeah. so you, you don't want to bring in employees yet until i have enough business or maybe you cut corners on on a, uh, whatever level of fulfillment it is, even for, even for message driven entrepreneurs, I've watched them cut corners in their offerings, corners in their, in their time, because time is money for them. Right. And, and you're trying yeah, to squeeze they, out profits
0: in that world as, as a speaker, as a coach is that kind of thing. I believe that the monetary fear is the biggest thing that holds them back from actually providing the most value that they can. You, you got yeah. all these, all these coaches who say things like, well, it's not about the money. And I go, great. Well, then if it's not about the money, then why are you spending all your time chasing money? Why, why are you doing that? Why are you spending all your time chasing yeah. money? Why are you spending all your, if it's not about the money, then why don't you just make a YouTube channel where you give away all of your best content and know that people will come and it actually will help you with the money. Like the thing is, is that the, the money stress is actually what keeps those coaches and speakers away from getting to where they want to be. It ends up being this self-fulfilling prophecy, whatever we focus on, whatever we fear, we end up bringing yes. it into our lives. And I, I just think that it, it happens over and over again. And the thing is, is like, I think no matter what level we're at, we're not immune to that. Like what matters is trends. You know, I, I, I knew someone who had a um, very large inheritance they had a very large inheritance and they were. I had never seen them more stressed about money. They became more stressed mm. about money than they ever had been. And after talking about it, the realization that they came to was that that money was now dwindling. And I think whenever you have a resource that is shrinking, we're either growing or dying. In nature, there's no in between, there's growing or dying, and that's it. And I think That's when right. it comes to money as well, it doesn't matter what, you know, someone, someone gets a inheritance, someone gets a, you know, and, and, you know, this isn't a situation that people want, but someone has a, uh, a insurance, you know, a, a loved one dies and they, they get that, that insurance benefit, they get that money. And even though they all of a sudden have more money in their bank account than they've ever had, they immediately go into scarcity because it is a resource that is shrinking rather than
1: watch running. shrink they can watch it, it shrink on the daily
0: it, it's like water it's like a, mm-hmm. a you think about an old town in like you know back in the days you think about a an old west town with a water tower that is a resource that is finite it's a finite resource and it is yeah. scarce until the water is replenished and that that's why i think that that business people need to focus on money i know that sounds silly but like because you go, why, would, why wouldn't why would that be the case? But business people are afraid to think about money because they think it makes them selfish. They think it makes them whatever. But I think that you need to focus on the bottom line or else you can't be in the mindset to actually serve.
1: I think you're 100% correct. In fact, if you'll let me, can I kind of go off on a tangent of some things that have Please. helped me out? Please. So so here's kind of our, um, you just cut me off whenever you want. but. But to, let me try to get the whole idea out um, because oh, I Dude, love you where you head. Talk headed, as long as you could, want. This could help so many people. Um so my first real experience as an entrepreneur, I'm not talking about we could talk for a long, fun time about all the little things I did as a kid and my entrepreneur mindset and and those kinds of things. And then, you know, through college and, and all that. But my first real opportunity as an entrepreneur was when I took over a catering and events business in Southern California. Um, i thought that everything uh, i mean i just thought everything was amazing so we're talking like you know before the market tanks in 2007 and 8 so taking it over like in you know 2006 ish and and it was doing a ton of money actually it was doing really great and i was like early on as it i was in my young 20s i was i was about to have or i was about to get married um And, uh, and, and things were just going amazing. I, in fact, I stopped going to school because I just thought I'm awesome. I am awesome at business. So in 2007, I met my wife, we decided we're going to get married. We ended up getting married in 2008. Um, and, uh, and I just thought I was amazing. And turns out I was just really riding a wave of a pretty good economy, which could happen. And then the very best thing that could happen to me in business and it was the worst scariest thing that happened in business was that i had this service based business based on people's extra money to throw a party okay and then all of a sudden the economy tanked with the the great recession right and all of a sudden it felt like nobody had any money and we had this business that was scaled to do a million dollars and all of a sudden we we were at like the 300,000 a year mark and it felt like we had 0 dollars it was such a scary, awful time in my life. Can, and can
0: I stop you real quick?
1: Yeah, you, you just
0: said that I went from million to three hundred thousand, and immediately that there's there's people listening right now going, "Well, boohoo, you only had 300,000. Oh can you explain yeah. what that means in a business like the catering world? Because that that is something that people don't understand that that revenue does not equal profit.
1: No, no, not at all. In fact, oh my goodness, had we been doing three hundred thousand dollars a year, we probably would have profited more money when the economy tanked than when we were doing a million dollars. And the reason is is because our business was scaled to do that. We had a fleet of, of vans, we had um, bank, banquet centers that were ours that we were leasing out and and we had big overhead costs. We had salaried employees that that we normally would have tons of work for. And all of a sudden, as as kind of the domino effects start happening with the economy dying, you know we we only had probably like a twenty five to thirty percent margin so you think about you know that based on a million dollars of sales is like two hundred and fifty thousand to three hundred thousand dollars right and and then you take that same twenty five percent margin on three hundred thousand dollars in sales I mean that sounds like seventy five thousand dollars right yeah, but you know. If if people have learned some things about business, which I imagine lots have, and if you haven't, you're gonna learn some really fun lessons. So put your seatbelt on, right? Because those are fun. <laughs> um, it's like a roller coaster and it does go upside down. Okay. That's a yes. question that I used to ask when I was a kid getting in line at roller coasters. Does this one go upside down? Well, the business <laughs> one goes upside down, just plan. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lap belt, you get the shoulder things, just strap yeah, them on. Sure. You you're definitely going upside down. Um And, uh, so, you know, with business, you have costs and you have fixed costs and our fixed costs matched a million dollars of sales. Had we only been doing 300 or 400, 5,000, our fixed costs would have been lower for that. So essentially when we dropped down to doing, to, to being at like the $300,000 mark, we were making no money. There was like no margin. There was nothing. And it was scary. I, I literally, I was mad at everybody I could be mad at. I was mad at my partner, I was mad at at the government, at the housing market, I was mad at God. I was mad at every everybody that I could be upset at, trying to issue all the blame. You know, I thought I was going to be like a 24-year-old having to to file bankruptcy, you know, and it, I mean it makes me stutter, right? I'm a speaker and I can't even like it makes me stutter going back to that point because it was such a hard time. And, you know, I'm so grateful for a few things that we had figured out. And I promise this will circle all the way back to your your phrase when you said it needs to be about the money. Um, The first thing that it does need to be about and what we figured out was that you needed to create or we needed to create and everybody does. I strongly believe needed to create a people first organization, something that would attract people instead of just getting out there and trying to like spearfish your individual clients and so some of the things that we did that still work today in fact they work better today is getting really clear on your company's mission and your purpose right your purpose is like what are we wanting to accomplish in the business and so for us in catering think about it this way and then apply this to to your business is for us in catering if somebody would have asked before this mess had happened Uh, you know, what business are you in? We would have said, we're in the catering business, the party business, the events business, the food business, right? Whatever it is. Um, But after that, when we got really clear on what's our company's purpose, then to answer that question, the correct answer was that we were in the business of gathering people together to create lasting memories. And that became our whole marketing campaign. All of our communications, the way we talked about our business, the way we talked uh, about clients, about even about ourselves and about our own employees, it it became really clear that that was our company's purpose, right? The thing we were going to accomplish. Then, so the other thing that really changed it is we got clear on our culture, right? Culture is just a common set of values and beliefs within an organization or a group of people. Just like different countries have cultures, different families have cultures. businesses will have cultures. And those here's the magic about it is business has a culture anyways. It's just, you can either let it form and just create itself. This is just kind of how we treat and talk to each other and act with each other, or you can be on purpose. What are the words we use? How do we, how do we tackle issues? How, how do we respond to each other? All of those things Um, and got really clear on those things and, and the vision of the company, where, where were we headed? What were we trying to accomplish? And as we did those things, we were actually able to attract way more people and attract way more people on both sides of sales, right? So if Mm -hmm. sales is like middle, you have the fulfillment side, which is your internal people, okay? So we were able to attract employees when other people couldn't find employees. And then of course, we were able to attract more clients and customers because ultimately, even in a recession, people still have money. There's still people with money it just looks, it visually looks like there's less of them, right? And so here's the thing. Today, I'm a super renegade about getting really clear on your company's purpose. Now, there's kind of a black eye of that or, or maybe a misnomer. You know, the other side of that exact same coin is like, well, I'm not in the business of making money. I'm in the business of creating lasting memories for people, right? Of gathering people together to create lasting memories. So it's not about the money. But here's the thing. It has to be also about the money, because you cannot accomplish your purpose if you have no money. All the good you want to do with your brand and your business and your product and your service, if you cannot if you have no money, then you cannot accomplish your purpose. I think I, i've I've thought about that a ton and had this conversation even with speakers and authors and coaches, because you can have the right answer for somebody. Maybe you've developed a system or a roadmap or something, and it's going to totally change somebody's life. If that system, product, idea, book, whatever it is, that will totally change somebody's life. If that never makes it in front of somebody's eyes, there's no difference between having it and not selling it and not having it at all. It's the same result, right? Yeah, And so you, so you're totally right. You you have to, your business has to make money or there is no greater purpose. There, there are no values and purpose that's achieved.
0: Um, totally. You know, m- money is the fuel behind it. Like you talk about culture, like within the company, but I I, I think that people not getting a paycheck harms company culture, right? Oh, you know, my gosh. Someone yeah, not getting a paycheck. And so if you can't make those, those bills and so you look at it and you go, All I care about is impact, right? If someone said all I care about is impact. Awesome. If that's really true and that's really the driver, then you want to make as much money as possible so that you can have the biggest impact possible. At least if that's in the game of entrepreneurship. Now in the game of business. Now, if your game is different, you might be saying, Well, I'm looking to you know go do this through just a social media platform, or maybe I'm a nonprofit or whatever. But you know, one of the wisest words I've ever heard is a nonprofit organization is just a business with a different tax code. Right. That's, all, that's it. That's right. all it is. It's just, it's just a business with a different tax code. And that the was someone who no ran retained
1: a, earnings. Right? Exactly. For, and that's someone themselves.
0: who, that's someone who ran a very large nonprofit organization was explaining that to me. It's just a business with a different tax code because he was saying that people always come up to him and talk about, well, I want to start a nonprofit. And the reason why they want to start a nonprofit is because I don't want to deal with all that money stuff. And I, I don't want to I don't want to make the waters murky between impact and income. But it's just it's still just a business. Now, your clients are called donors. It's a different it's a different client. It's so true. It, it's called donors. And you're still selling them
1: a product and it, or you're still selling them something. Right. Even you're, you're selling, selling them something. You're selling them some idea. Sometimes you're selling them information. Sometimes you're selling them to feel good that they donated to whatever good thing you're going to do. But if you don't have the dollars, you can't even do the good thing you want to do as a nonprofit. There is no nothing happens if dollars aren't exchanged.
0: Yeah. And it's just something Grant Cardone talks about. He says we live in a financial world, whether you like it or not. That's what is you know, yeah. I, I believe in accepting what is. That's the world that we live in, and that's the scoreboard. And if you don't have – it's the scoreboard, and it's also the fuel behind things. And so if you don't have dollars coming into it, well, now is a very uh, poignant example because fuel costs a lot of dollars right now, current, oh current states. So, so, you know, so you look at that and you go, that's the fuel of the impact. So if you care about impact more than anything else – if you care about company culture more than anything else if you care about those things now those things might generate the money but the money has to be there
1: it it has to happen in fact i have yet to find a a genuine purpose or you know talking about your why is kind of all the rage right now and there is no why that exists and no purpose or company purpose or values that exist that aren't f- faster fulfilled more potently fulfilled and, and just greater, like to the world, to more people, more fulfilled. If like by then by scaling your business, yeah there is no way to fulfill your why even your business, why and your business purpose, like you can't fulfill it as good. If you make no money, you just can't, you know, I've, I've actually challenged that idea back and forth. Even the people who are like, I, I once talked with somebody, she was a part of an, uh, a multi-level marketing company. Okay. And she and she was making great money, pretty, pretty good money, right? She was in and she hustled and she did it. And this not a not a conversation about MLM companies, but she um she she genuinely came up to me and said, well Jared, my husband actually he makes really great money. So I I just wanted to have more friends across the country. Like I because kind of her argument initially I was brought on to consult with this business. And her argument initially was like, I don't really need to scale my business. Like I don't need the money. I just, I wanted to make more friends. I wanted to uh, like, I, I just have this blind spot of never having friends as a kid. And and now I felt like I could have friends and I went awesome. Do you know how you get even more friends by scaling your business and having way more contacts and way more customers and way more upline and downline and, and, and your whole network increases. And she was like, What? And I'm like if you don't want the money don't eat it. I don't know. Do, do whatever you want with the money. But if you're mm-hmm. if you're genuine about telling me all I wanted was more friends, then go scale your business, you'll have tons more friends. And and that kind of led me down this path. I was kind of a renegade about don't like stop stop separating your your why and your purpose from making money. It's actually the same, right? The money is the vehicle to help you do that. So I firmly believe, and I am a renegade about getting clear on your purpose because that's what attracts people, but but they need to be melded together, right? It's actually the same. And that's super fascinating.
0: Yeah. Why, why do you think so many people are afraid to talk about money? Why is that such an issue? Man,
1: I don't know, actually. I I, I don't know why, why they do that. Um, money can be scary, right? Like, when I think, about, I think about like bandwidth of, a, of internet, right? Because we all kind of know what that is. And, and, I, and humans have like a cognitive load, which might be like your bandwidth. This is like the, the things that you are capable of focusing on and dealing with. And not every person's cognitive load is equal. But what yeah. I do know and what I have seen in myself and I've seen in literally hundreds of people is their cognitive load their their internet bandwidth when you don't have enough money the idea of money and the thought of money takes up all of your bandwidth all of that cognitive load it's all you can think about if you have have not been able to pay your mortgage or your rent all day long every single day you're trying to figure out how can i pay the rent you're not trying to figure out how do i be a good human how do i serve my neighbor how do i solve this problem for the world how do i go create just good in the world. You're not, you're, you're thinking like, oh my gosh, every day, how do I pay my mortgage? But then something changes and it's almost like a light switch or, or just like this magic switch. As soon as, as soon as your expenses are taken care of, what I've also found in people is that the simple idea of money or like focusing on money takes up a relatively small amount of their bandwidth. Right, and and as soon as like the stress of money goes away, it really just takes up a small amount, and then they can use the rest of that bandwidth to to actually focus on scaling something amazing and being a good human and doing good in the world and focusing on their purpose and their and you know and then of course back to the discussion we just had that money's tied to that, but but then it kind of frees up your your mind and your ability to go create and do and create more, and very few few people I found. As soon as their as their expenses or their lifestyle was taken care of by money, few people that I know of. In fact, I can't. I'm just saying few because I'm assuming there are some, but I don't know. I don't personally know a single human who focuses on and obsesses about the idea of money at that point.
0: Mm-hmm. Totally, and and there might be because different people have a different threshold of what sure what is uh, acceptable. Do you know who Alex Hermosi is? I do not. Fascinating guy absolutely fascinating um he's got big on youtube over the last like i don't know he just popped out of nowhere over the last year and the reason why he popped out of nowhere is he just had his head down was building his business and he sold out of you know he he uh did an exit it was like a this i don't remember the exact number but it was a um i believe it was a nine figure exit not a seven figure exit <laughs> and he's like our age i think he's actually younger than us he's like i think you know yeah, we're verbal him. i think yeah. he's like 32 or 33 or something like that. So good for him um but he he's got this thing he owns a business called acquisition.com now and i think that they he says they do around 85 85 million a year um in business fascinating guy everyone should listen to this guy and what's cool Wait, is i'm
1: i'm already subscribed to his youtube channel i just you he, he didn't know who he is yeah I, so I just maybe didn't realize that, his that was name, his name. But yeah, but I've I've already I've watched tons of his videos. I was writing his okay. name down, and then you said his YouTube channel, so I typed his name in. How about
0: that? <laughs> so you know how he does that whole thing every time where he says like I'm this, we have this much money, we have this, and I have nothing to sell you. And it's That's a right. cool it's a cool gimmick that he has, and he's talked about that. It's it's a gimmick is what he's doing. But the point is, is he was on a podcast the other day. I was listening to him talking about this. And he was talking about weight and he was talking about money. And he said the only difference between someone who is fit all the time and someone who is 100 pounds overweight is that they have a different number of, oh, shoot, I got to do something. They have a different number. Now, he's super fit. He came in the gym, in the the fitness space, and he said for him it's 15% body fat. If I get to fifteen percent body, you know that's not me, I'm talking about him and he says, if I get to fifteen percent body fat, I feel like, okay, enough is enough. I need to get back on things and I need to fix things and because he was talking to someone in this interview who was well over a hundred pounds overweight, and um said the same thing he because because the guy was saying, why can't I it was really interesting it was the uh, uh it was the producer of the podcast, and they started talking to this person um and what he said was how come you're not 200 pounds overweight? And he's like, well, because of this and this, and this He's like, no, it's because you have a, you have a line and it's just, your line is different. And he said the same thing with money. Cause you talk about stress. The thing is, is people have stress at a different level. So some people will say, well, I don't need to get stressed about money until I have $0 in the bank. Some people will say, I don't need to be stressed mm. about money until I have, until I'm, I'm in a deficit until I have negative. I've overdraft. Some people say, I don't need to be stressed about money until I have 9,900 when I'm under 10,000 or I'm under a thousand or I'm under a hundred that the thing is, is everyone has a different number. And I think that that, that, that rings true is that that's
1: so fascinating that number. it reminds me of a conversation. You know, when I was, when I was early, early on, like, you know, college, my, I, I liked to keep my savings account. This is the best, right? If I had twenty five hundred dollars in my savings account, I was like chilling. I was good. Yeah, yeah. There were no problems. I, I had tons of money. And just a couple of days ago, I was talking to a friend of mine who runs a, a relatively successful business, and he he has a service based business, kind of in the construction space. And uh, he had a few jobs going out or or working. And you know, you're talking he probably had 200 or more thousand dollars in business that's about to be collected over the next 30 days or so. And he calls me because he was like, he was like, ah, Jared, I'm freaking out. My business checking account is down to five grand and I'm like losing my mind. And so I, you know, he started as a client and now he's just a friend. And so we just talk, you know, talk through that. And I'm like, okay, well, when are you collecting dollars and when are they coming in? And, you know, turns out he's got almost a quarter of a million dollars coming in just over the next 30 days. And I'm like, well, just relax. Mm-hmm. And so funny though, right? And it reminded me of that of of that same me where in college, if my savings account had 2500 bucks. I thought I was rich. And if it and as soon as it kind of dipped below if I had to buy books or pull things out and and I'd get to 2000 or 1900, I was like stressing. And yeah. but it it is. I think I think you're totally right. Based on people's lifestyles and and whatever threshold they have kind of arbitrarily set, I think it's totally right. And it applies back to where you get below that threshold and you stress about money. It's the thing you obsess about and the thing you're that you focus on and stress about. And you get past the threshold on the positive side. And all of a sudden, you know, now it frees up all this all this time, all this cognitive load, all these abilities for you to, to create and do and get excited about something new.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that. Let's kind of change gears a little bit what do you think is the most important thing? Like when you're coming into a business, you're coming in as, as a consultant and they say, okay, we're, we're in the six-figure range. Let's say they're in the lower six-figure range. This, let's just say this person's making 200, 250 in their business. And they say, our goal is to scale into the seven-figure range over the next, let's say they say two years. What What do you think it takes for them to scale from that six-figure range into that seven-figure range?
1: So I first ask them some questions. So if they're at two fifty, they need to do four times the amount of everything to get to a million dollars, right? Simple math. So I say, okay, business owner, maybe business owner with a manager. Usually, if somebody's at the two fifty mark, they likely have some kind of a team, even if it's maybe a ten ninety nine team. Maybe if they don't have full time people, they have somebody. They have somebody they're leaning on. Um, yeah. And so I start asking the questions. Okay. Say the business owner, can you do four times the amount of work you're doing right now? Can you do four times the hours? Can you do four times the productivity? Can you do four times the sales, four times everything right now, today? The answer is almost always no. Can, can your fulfillment side of things. So this, this really applies to any business, whether you're a product or service or you're a message, right? If you're, if you're a coach or a mentor, on your side, can you take on four times? And the answer to that is usually no in our current space. Sometimes it's a yes, right? But, um, but rarely, uh, rarely is it a yes in exactly the situation they're in right then. Then the next question is, can your current clients or current customer base, can they produce four times the amount of business that they're, then they're already producing? and the answer is generally no right sometimes you get really clear you optimize your business maybe you have a separate offering or an upsell or you you optimize some things so you're a little more profitable and you can squeeze more profits out of your same people or do another offering and scale that up a little bit more but as you answer as you ask those questions then the your brain Hopefully, starts to come up with extra solutions, right? So immediately, if I can't do more, but I would like to create more, what do I have to do? I have to leverage somebody else's ability, somebody else's time. And so, your, you know, scaling a business almost always, always, always requires a roadmap to bringing more people in. And and so, part of that, part of the initial discussion, the initial idea, even if someone just does it with themselves. Right, getting really clear, where am I headed? Is the mindset. You know, if they if they can't get their mind right, um, all those blocks, all those fears of money, all the fear of I created this from nothing and it's mine, it's my baby, and I and I know it the best. Could somebody else do it as good as me? Let me tell you, no, they can't, they won't, they won't do it as good as you. They they likely will not. Now, there's some things in business that you want to hire people and they'll do them way better than you. Usually you know, marketing strategies, bring in a specialist for that. Okay. um If there's some fulfillment things, if there's organizational things, if there's paperwork things, if there's spreadsheet things, if there's all the, all the inside busy work, admin things that make you zero money, but they have to be done. There probably is somebody who could do that better than you, but the actual product itself or the service or the message or whatever the punchline is. So stop asking yourself and being scared of this. No, there might not be someone that can do that better than you. But is there maybe 10 people who could do it at 80% of what you could do? And that sounds a lot like 800% more, right? So mm-hmm. maybe 10 people can't do it at 100% each, but can, can a few people do it at a relatively high percentage? And remember, they're employees. They're, not, they're likely, they've made the decision that they want someone else to take the risk in exchange for a paycheck you've made the decision that you want to take on the risk for all of the upside and so yeah. if that's the decision then you you do need to be willing to let some things go a business will not scale without more more people in it it just won't you know and and so that's that's usually the approach that I would take first is as you as you strategically ask questions kind of start to change the mindset um, then you can get clear on on Company purpose, values, and vision, and and then you hire the right person who's the right fit, right? And then and then you, as the business owner, go do your magic. Go do your magic. The thing that that you can do to scale the business. I, I often say that business owners, if they want not not people who own a job, a hard job, right? Um, but if you want to move from I own a job to I own a business, the idea is only do what only you can do right? Only yes. do what only you can do. Even for, think about this for coaches, mentors, authors, that like, you know, I, when you think about a message driven entrepreneur, then maybe only you can convey the message in, in a coaching session, in a mentoring session on a YouTube channel. Maybe only you can write the words down on a page. If you're writing a book and there's some arguments to maybe using a ghostwriting team, right? But but either way, maybe only you can do that, but can only you upload the YouTube channel? Can only you run the sales team? Can only you run your calendar? Can only you edit your videos? Can only you do all the other admin things to help fulfill a lot more sales? And the answer to that's no, of course not. Lots of people could do that. In fact, those admin things, those business things on the internal side. There's probably lots of people who on those things can do it much better and faster and cheaper than you.
0: Yeah. And that that's when you really get into it. What do you think needs to shift in someone's mindset to get to that place to be able to do that?
1: Oh man. The the biggest block that has to shift first is honestly, it's fear and, and fear um, I mean, fear coming from a few different places, but ultimately fear it, and it is scary. It is a little scary, but you know, there's, there's lots of lessons to be learned. Um, I put out a video of, of just a quick fear thing that had changed my life. Actually, I I took my two kids. They were, so they're two years apart right now. They're nine and seven. And when they were seven and five, I took them to a fair, um, Back where I'm from, there's a big, huge fairgrounds in in Los Angeles County. Have you ever been on the big yellow slide, Jake at the l a fair
0: yeah, the l a county fair in Pomona? Yeah. I know you're talking. Yeah. yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about it's huge, okay. so you know the
1: slides in fact, mostly they're yellow, but maybe they could be other colors, but they're the gunny yeah, sack yeah. slides, right, and they have the little I think down. I think all
0: fairs have those right? That's not just l yeah. a county fair thing yeah, they're the everywhere giant in all honesty there is some reason to be afraid of those compared to like a roller coaster <laughs> that has like, you know, like, so I, like I, I, who built this, <laughs> who put this together. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, who, you know, a carny put this together, right? Like <laughs> that's so good, dude. So,
1: so we, so we go and I take my two kids on this, on this slide. Right. And yeah. so normally I, today it's my older daughter. She's the older one and she's a little bit more of a fraidy cat. And my son's a little bit more uh, excited to do things, but but on this particular time, she was so excited. the 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 famous gunny sack slide, right? And so we go up. It's a little bit, you know, I'm I'm having to coax them up there, and they're both kind of acting similar, but my son is just scared to death, right? So we get up to the top, and he wants to go down, meaning down the stairs. He doesn't want to go down the slide, and so I think I'm going to be a super great dad, and I'm going to I'm just going to talk him through this. He's five. He can understand. He's a smart boy. So I'm like, son, what what's the matter? What what are you feeling? What what's so scary? We're all here. Look at all these people. We're all going to do this together. Everybody's smiling. He's like, Dad, oh, I feel this like thing in my chest, and oh, I almost feel like I can't breathe. And Dad, my hands are kind of tingly, and I and I think I should just go down the stairs. I'm so I'm so 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 scared. And I'm like, well, Kaylin, my daughter, I was like, Kaylin, are you afraid? She's like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, tell Ridd was it what it feels like? What are you feeling? And she goes, oh, Rid, I'm like, I feel it like this, like these like butterflies in my stomach and my chest and my hands and my feet are all tingly. And I'm just so excited to grab the gunny sack and go down the slide. And for a split second, I'm like, no, right. I'm like, Caitlin, you're gonna ruin this. Like, what are you doing? And and then it occurred to me, and how did these two kids, one absolutely excited and one totally terrified, described it? I'm like literally with the same words, the same exact words, even down to the, the butterflies in their belly and their tingly hands. I will never forget it. And it totally changed my life. And these little kids taught me this lesson that I get to decide, am I feeling excitement and happiness or am I feeling just fear? And so am I am I excited to scale a business? And it, it, it is risky and it is fun and it is unknown. But is that exciting or am I going to label that fear and not go down the big yellow slide and have a great time? So my two kids ended up both going down the slide and they had a super great time. And the, they probably will never remember that. And I'll be telling them that when I'm an old man and they're, and they got their own kids someday, how they totally changed my life. And Mm -hmm. it's just awesome. And I see those parallels everywhere. And for whatever the, whatever the source of the fear is, man, fear is one of the biggest things that just halts people in their path. It's like a cancer of the mind and a cancer of action. And, and for me, I mean, there's things I I still get afraid of. And I reach out to a mentor of mine. I actually have a, a few of them. Actually, Jake, you're a mentor of mine. And, you know, and I, I reach out to groups of friends and people, and I'm a part of circles. I'm a part of masterminds. I'm a part of other entrepreneurs and groups that they might be afraid too. But if we're all together, it's like if you've, if you've ever been to a, uh, a lake, like Lake Powell, it's like when you're all standing on the edge of the rock to, to jump off the 30-foot cliff into the water. When we're all doing this together, we can all do it. But if I yeah. climb up there by myself, it, it would feel a little scary. And so I think there is something about having groups of friends and mentors and, and people where it's like, we're in this together. We might solve precisely different problems in business but we're all actually in this whole thing together. And that's yeah. really helped
0: me. I, I'm kind of chuckling because of the the Lake Powell jumping off the cliff um, <laughs> a, analogy, because like I, I think about that all the time. I think about jumping, cliff jump. I love, I don't know what it is, but I just love jumping off bridges and cliffs it's into so water. Exhilarating. I love it. It's so fun. And you're standing there looking down going, am I really going to do this? And you're looking down saying, I know that someone else just did it, but like, what if, what if a log happens to float by and you start thinking of all the possible things or what if there's a rock that someone just barely missed? You start thinking those things and then finally you jump. And then there's this moment of, I, there's nothing I can do anymore. So I might as well enjoy it. There's there's that that moment
1: of no return. You know how, when you, when you, when one leg gets off and your weight's already forward, but you haven't quite your weight's like forward, left you can't, you off, couldn't even do anything. Like that roller coaster started, right? Yeah, like
0: you're going. And, but the reason why I laugh is because <laughs> I used to think this was a universal experience. I thought this was a universal experience that everyone understood. But I have said it many times in coaching sessions where I say, you know, it's kind of like if you were going to go jump off of a cliff into water. And if you're going to go do something, it's kind of like if you're doing cliff jumping and you know, you have that feeling and I can see their eyes. They're like, what? Like, that sounds crazy. Like this analogy isn't helping me do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And like, it's so fun because to me, I thought that was like such a universal experience. And after doing it more times, I always start that analogy with, have you ever done cliff jumping? And if they say, oh, yeah, Ah. totally. Now I go into it. But like, it's so often where I'll say that, like, it's like, if you're going to go cliff jumping and, and they're like, what are you talking about? Like, you're I just so surprised. not doing that. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So I'd like to, to end with a couple tactical things. If you were to give, let I mean, look, I'm spitballing it. Pressure's on. Yeah. You come up with something. If I were to give you, hey, you just got three things that you can give to someone who's in that six figure range, wants to scale to seven, three kind of bullet points. Hey, you know what? Three most important things are: do this, do this, do that. What are those?
1: Um, okay. Ooh, if there's only three, I would say the first one has to be to get your mind right. It has to. the The second one, I would say anything that could be automated should be automated. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one, the third one would probably be to um, to immediately hire your next person right now, like to get, mm. it would be to get past the fear. And I would challenge somebody to hire some, hire a person before the end of the week. If you are serious about scaling, you're going to hire somebody before the end of the week, or at least you're going to have your first interview for that person before the end of the week.
0: I love that. You, you know, keep if there was a, right? it,
1: yeah, if there was a, Sorry, if, there was a any, if there was any bonus, bonus steps, then of course you're there's, there's ways to optimize Pricing and profitability and, and make good business decisions, right? And, and optimize your marketing and all those things. But but before those would even work, before those would even give you any results, you know, getting your mind right that happens with a few things. For me, that happens through mentorship. It happens through through self-work, through mentors, coaches, masterminds, groups, right? And then and then automating anything that can be automated in the day we live in. There's so much tech that is so affordable. I mean, subscriptions that are, you know, anywhere between $10 a month and $30, $40 a month that would just change all the things that you're doing and, and lots of subscriptions that are totally free, right? And, yeah. you know, and then and then literally take the leap. Love it. Jump, grab grab mine and Jake's hands at Lake Powell. Let's jump in the water and go hire yeah. somebody because if you're serious about scaling, you you'll have to have that person anyways. And then here's what happens. Sometimes the force method works great. Sometimes you hire the person and go, oh, shoot, I got to figure out how to pay for this person. And you know what happens? When you have to figure out how to pay for an employee, you do, you figure it out.
0: Yeah, you totally figure it out. Um, How much have masterminds, coaching, mentorship, how how much has that impacted you in your career and your life?
1: So, I mean, a ton, Um, actually a ton on both sides. In perfect candor candor, I've been a part of masterminds that have not helped. And I've mm-hmm. and I've been the wrong fit, or or maybe they've been the wrong fit, right? Of course. But becoming a part of a mastermind that is focused on wherever the heck you want to go or solve the things mm-hmm. that you feel like you want to solve. Um, I because time is is such a just like we talked about, this is this depleting resource that you can't make more of. Um, you know, it's so valuable that your, your time is, is that right. And, and you should focus it on the things that are actually going to, going to work. So if I want to go from six to seven figures, I want to hang out with people who are going six to seven figures, or I want to hang out with people who are at seven figures or on their way there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Jarrett, what's the best place to get in touch with you? If people want to find out more about you and what you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I'm all over social media. Just my first name, last name, Jarrett, two R's, two T's uh, Ingram. And then of course on my website, super easy, Jarrett Ingram.com and uh, here to party here to play and party.
0: Yeah. I love it, man. Jarrett, let's end this with a virtual fist bump. Boom. Boom. Let's get it. You're the man. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something great out of it. And most importantly, I hope that you're going to implement something that you learned in this episode because nothing happens until you take action. If you're a six or seven figure entrepreneur, who's looking to uplevel your network with a group of people who also have a rising tide lifts all boats attitude then come and join our exclusive network of successful entrepreneurs by going to mtmsuccess.com rising tide